You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, moving over from Score Zag Score and taking over here at Locked On. Today's episode is sponsored by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com now and tell them Locked On sent you. First, I want to thank you all for making this podcast your first listen of the day. Whether you are a new listener to my show, new to my content, or coming over from my previous show, a reminder to please follow and subscribe to this podcast wherever you already get podcasts, and to look out for an upcoming YouTube channel. All right, today's episode is the 11th in our extensive player preview series, taking a brief but thorough look at every player on Gonzaga's roster, detailing their basketball history, a look at their best and worst case scenarios in the upcoming season, and finally, a look at their expected role in production in 2021-2022. These episodes will and have aired multiple times per week, right up until Gonzaga's exhibition opener against Eastern Oregon on Halloween, less than a week away, guys. We are almost there. If you missed any of the previous 10 installments, excuse me, check back in your feed. Make sure you catch them all. They start out on October 5th throughout the month. Tons and tons of great information about every single player on Gonzaga's roster. Today's episode is the only one that will be about multiple players in the same episode. It was intentional. It was planned. I love the walk-ons. I love Gonzaga's history of walk-ons. It's a topic I could probably do a full week oral history about the history of walk-ons at Gonzaga, but for this episode, for this team, how deep they are, I didn't think that we needed to do a specific episode for every single one of these guys. So these five guys, they're all going to be lumped together in this episode. We're going to take it there, take a look at each of their histories. We're going to take a look at their best and worst case scenarios for this year, and of course, their expected role and production. So let's get right into it. The five players we are going to discuss today are Matthew Lang, Will Graves, Colby Brooks, Abe Eagle, and Joe Few. We're going to start with Matthew Lang. Lang is a six foot three senior guard from Portland, Oregon. He went to Jesuit High School, where as a senior, he averaged 15 and a half points per game. Just to put it into perspective, <laughs> Jesuit High School is one of the top high schools in the state of Oregon. They're Usually a very, very prominent basketball school. I believe they finished third in the state when Lang was there. He averaged 15 and a half points per game for them. That is really good to be a walk-on for this team. Now, obviously, Lang is probably the second most notable walk-on behind Will Graves, and this year he'll probably be third because of Mark Few's son, who we'll get to a little bit later. But Lang is kind of the the leader of the walk-ons in the sense that he's one of the ones who's the first to actually play and in situations where the walk-ons are going to play. He's made 38 appearances excuse me, in his collegiate career, two and a half minutes per game. Again, he's not coming in in the first half, folks. He's coming in in the last few minutes of the game. He's coming in basically to bomb threes. His role primarily, and we'll talk about this a lot more in the second and third segments, is to be a really good practice player, to work really, really hard in practice, challenge these guys, emulate opposing offenses, all of that stuff. Uh, presumably, he's done a very good job of that because he has been around for three years at this point. Uh, he also is a good three-point shooter. He is six for 16 in his career from three. That is 37.5%. That is extremely good, obviously. It is in situations where it is less defended and it might be in other situations but still I'll take a guy shooting 37 and a half percent as my 12th or 13th man coming off the bench 
Next is Will Graves. Will Graves, also a very well-known name, uh, six foot five senior shooting guard from Eugene. He is from Eugene because he's the son of longtime Gonzaga women's basketball coach Kelly Graves, who is now, of course, the women's basketball coach at the University of Oregon. Kelly and Mark Few were coaches together at Oregon, or excuse me, at Gonzaga for a very long time. It stands to reason that when Will had the opportunity to come up to Spokane, I'm sure Mark Few welcomed him with open arms. It's always good to have your walk-ons be coaches' kids as well. That's something that Gonzaga has prioritized. It's a big part of the reason that Rem Bacamus was with the team for so long is because he was a coach's kid and kind of had that coach mentality, which is why he's on the path to coaching right now, working with Tommy Lloyd at Arizona. So I think that probably made it a slam dunk choice. He was also a good ball player. He averaged 16 or excuse me, 6.6 points, three and a half boards at Lane Community College in 2018-2019 before he transferred to Gonzaga. So again, you know, he was playing junior college basketball. It's not like he is a complete unknown. You know, he'd already he was good enough to play basketball at the collegiate level, had pretty good numbers there, shot 38% from 3 in junior college and now at Gonzaga he's made 23 appearances, 2 minutes per game, similar to Lang, of course. He scored 14 total points. And he's four for 11 from downtown, which is good for 36.5%. So your two most notable walk-ons are 365 and 37.5% from three. Again, very tiny sample sizes, not shooting these threes in pressure situations, not shooting them with defenders in their face. But I kind of like the fact that they have two dudes who can straight up light it up from downtown. This is a team that is devoid of three-point shooting. Do I think we will get to a situation where these guys will be counted on to shoot threes in meaningful moments? Probably not, but it's nice to know that they're there is the best way to put it. Next up on the walk-on group is Colby Brooks. He's probably, well, not probably, he's the best player on Gonzaga's roster that you have not heard of. He's a six foot seven sophomore from LA from Loyola High School. He averaged 16 points and eight rebounds. His senior year in high school, he was all Mission League second team. He played AAU ball with BTI Elite. This dude is good. He is a legitimately very good basketball player. Those numbers are no joke to do that in some of the high school leagues in LA. That is some competitive basketball. To be an all-mission league second teamer is is no joke whatsoever. He was on the team last year. He did not play. Again, he he redshirted. The year was kind of weird because of COVID, so everybody sort of gets a free pass, but he did not play in a game, so in theory he has an extra year of eligibility in college, whether he takes that at Gonzaga or transfers away, depending on what he wants to do. But he did not play last year. He's still I think he's a guy that like he reminds me a little bit of Connor Griffin, if you all remember Connor Griffin, who who played, he did play at Gonzaga, but very sparingly. He ended up transferring and playing, I believe he played football at University of Washington for a few years, and then he played basketball at, I want to say Pepperdine. I'm pretty sure it was Pepperdine. So just a freak athlete. Colby Brooks is a super good athlete. You watch some highlights of him. He's thrown, throws down a lot of dunks. He was a dunker in high school. Uh, just a dude who, again, probably isn't going to earn a lot of playing time here, but has a lot of athleticism. And if you were watching just a practice, you'd be like, I don't know who that is, but it's, it's, it's kind of surprising me a little bit. Next up is Abe Eagle. Eagle is a six foot nine sophomore from West Hills, California. He went to Chaminade high school and joined their 1000 point club as a senior. He averaged 12.3 points and eight rebounds like Brooks. He was on the roster last year and he did not play. Gonzaga had three Walk-ons on the roster last year, Eagle, Brooks, and Evan Inglesby from Barlow High School in Oregon. Inglesby is no longer listed on the roster. I do not know if that means that he is stayed at the university and is just a uh, regular student. I don't like using the word regular, but you know what I mean. Whether he has transferred, is playing to, planning to play basketball, whether he has transferred and is not planning to play basketball, but he is no longer on the roster. Eagle still is. It's nice to have a walk-on who's 6'9". 
Like, that's pretty cool. He obviously had a productive high school career. He, again, did not play last year. I don't expect to see him much this year, if at all. But it's nice to, like, tall people are rare. And having a six foot nine guy on the roster, even if he's not expected to be a part of the rotation at all, is not a bad thing to have. And of course, last is Joe Few. Joe Few is a six foot freshman from Spokane. Shocker. He went to Gonzaga Prep High School, averaged seven and a half points per game for the Bullpups. He is Mark Few's son. I think discussing Joe Few as a player on Gonzaga's roster is probably giving a lot of people some feels that they maybe do not want to be feeling. I understand that. I graduated from Gonzaga in 2013. I remember seeing Joe and Mark and his other his other siblings, Mark Few's other kids, at the games. They were very young much younger than they are now. I wasn't prepared for one of them to be in college. I was not prepared to see one of them literally wearing the same uniform as the other players on the team. It's a little wild to see, but what a cool moment for Joe, an opportunity to be on this team, to be coached by his dad, to get a chance to ideally travel with the team and do all of that. I don't know whether that will be a part of it for him or not because they don't take everybody on the road, but hopefully he'll get a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. And instead of sitting right behind his dad, like he used to do at the games, he will be on the bench next to him. That's just a really, really cool moment for him. All right, so that's a wrap on how these dudes all ended up in Gonzaga uniforms. Coming up next, we're going to look at some of the best and worst case scenarios for these five fellas entering the 2021-2022 season. Before we do that, though, let's talk about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know that you will too. Prize picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offer all the, all the star players from not only the Power 5 schools, but your favorite mid-major players as well. I know that that's appealing for Gonzaga fans. New users that deposit and use the promo code LOCKEDON will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. PrizePix allows mixed sport entries, so you can take the over on Chet Holmgren combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com and use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your App Store and download the app today. Price picks is daily fantasy made easy. This episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. I personally just had my 13-year-old car serviced very recently, and I can tell you having one place to find all the parts I need makes things infinitely easier. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there, how did you hear about us box, so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right. In the first segment, we talked about the five walk-ons on this roster, how they ended up here, what year they are, what performance they've had in the Gonzaga uniform, if any. Some of you are probably being introduced to some of these guys for the very first time. Now we're going to talk about their best and worst case scenarios here in the 11th part of this 13-part series discussing all of the players on Gonzaga's roster. The caveat that I've used for all the previous episodes, this is the best case within reason, worst case without injury. Now, 
Obviously, in this situation, the best case scenario for these guys is not that they are the national player of the year, that they are all all Americans, that they are drafted, even really that they play 15 minutes per night. Like, that's just not super realistic. So I want to take a more realistic look at the best and worst case scenarios for them, how those scenarios would play out for Gonzaga and how they might play out for those guys as well. Um, For any walk-on, the earning regular minutes, that's the best case scenario. You know, you look at like a Mike Hart is the one of the quintessential examples of the best case scenario for a walk on. He came to Gonzaga. He did not even intend to play on the basketball team. He watched his first craziness in the kennel with his classmates in Coughlin Hall in the in the stands. He'd been working out, practicing at the basketball gym. Some of the guys in the team, I think Grant Gibbs, Dimitri Goodson, Andy Poling, those guys saw him, said, hey, this dude's good. Talk to Mark Few. He came. He tried out for the team. He made the squad. Four years later, he started at small forward for the number one team in the country. It's an incredible story. One of the best college basketball stories that I know and a super, super rare outcome. It's also less likely, virtually impossible on a roster like this. This is to no disrespect to the other players on Gonzaga's roster in 2012-2013, but there was a way for Mike Hart to solidify himself as a starter. There just isn't on this team. There just isn't. There's so much depth, so much talent that these guys, even though they are good, they're legitimately good basketball players. I talked about Will Graves and Matthew Lang as shooters. The other guys, we haven't seen them in game action, but they were good at their high schools. These dudes could play D2 basketball. They could probably play low-level D1 basketball and be successful. And But the path to playing time here is just virtually non-existent. So the best case scenario for them is that they do earn a little bit of playing time. Maybe we see, I, I've used this example on this podcast in the past. There was a game, I remember it very distinctly. I, need, I should look it up so I actually have, have some proof for you guys who've heard this story multiple times now. But there was a game where Gonzaga's guards were struggling. Mark Few was frustrated. He brought Dustin Triano off the bench to play the last four minutes of the first half. I think there was a little bit of foul trouble that was part of the situation, but mostly it was a kind of a reminder like, hey, I got other dudes I can play. Like you don't, you're not guaranteed playing time. And on this roster, because there are so much depth, particularly in the guard room, he's always going to have other dudes to play. But if things get to a point where where everybody's struggling or if there's a couple injuries and a couple foul trouble and there's, you know, some guys lagging behind, I could see Matthew Lang playing a few minutes. You know, I could see Will Graves coming in and, hey, you, you got to go out there. You got to do your best on defense. If you get an open look, shoot it. Like, that's your role. You know, these guys know the offense back and front. They know what to do. And so I think it puts them in a position where they could be called upon. And in a best-case scenario— that's the situation. It's probably not the best case scenario for Gonzaga. And I don't mean that like we should boo and hiss and be upset if Will Graves is in the game. That's not what I mean at all. But it it would it would take a situation that probably would make us a little nervous if those guys were coming into the game early in the contest in situations where the game wasn't already well determined. Beyond that, the best case scenario for these guys, uh, get good grades, run practice as well, play well in garbage time. Like those are kind of the things. To be honest, grad or grad transfer, walk-on players are brought in primarily to help the team GPA. That's a, an open secret in the NCAA, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's not cheating by any stretch of the imagination. They're brought in to be really tenacious workers in practice. You're on this team often knowing that you're not going to carve out a bigger role. Uh, you're, you know, the the intensity with which you work is unlikely to lead to more playing time. Obviously, these guys would like it to. And in, in some cases, at uh, particularly other schools, it does happen. It's less likely to happen here. But Will Graves is not busting his ass at practice thinking I'm going to overtake 
Hunter Salas and Dominic Harris for playing time. At least I don't think that he is. If he is, kudos. If that's what motivates him, awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. But he's busting his ass because he knows that he's supposed to, because he's helping this team get better. He's making those guys around him better. He is mimicking the opposing team's offense so that our players are as ready for it as they possibly can be. And that is an awesome attitude. In a best-case scenario, all five of these dudes bring it every single day at practice. They're getting an opportunity to play against some of the best players on the planet every single day at practice. And a best case scenario is they are absolutely working every single time while getting good grades, while being stewards in the community, while playing well in garbage time. They're going to get shots. You know, we'll talk about this in the third segment of which players I think are actually going to be eligible this year and which ones maybe aren't going to get a shot at least this year. But the ones who are, you're going to, you're going to play. Gonzaga, spoiler alert, everybody, they're going to blow some teams out. Like, that's going to happen this year a lot. And the guys who are at the end of the bench, they're going to get into games. Matthew Lang and Will Graves are going to play, you know. And, and in the best-case scenario, they win some teams, Some they, they win the fans' Wendy's or whatever the hell the prize is these days. It changes every single year. I have no idea. Wendy's, Taco Bell, Arby's, whatever. Whatever it is when you hit your 10th three, if they're still doing that. They're going to win some fans some some prizes. They're going to be fan favorites. The crowd's going to be yelling, we want Lang, we want Will, whatever it is. That's the best case scenario for these guys. Worst case scenario, there just, there just isn't one. Like, like, I mean, if we're, if we're being honest, there really isn't one. Redshirting, in, in theory, is the worst case scenario because you it guarantees that you will not play in a game all season long. It's not a bad thing. Certain players, like I suspect Abe Eagle, and Colby Brooks, who did not get to play at all last year, they would probably view it as a worst-case scenario if they once again were asked to redshirt or never got into a game. And I get that. That would be a worst-case scenario for them, and it would be a bummer. It would be sad to be on Gonzaga's roster for two years and not get into a game at all. For Joe Few, like I think he is going to redshirt almost certainly. It's not a worst-case scenario for him. It just doesn't. It doesn't really matter all that much. Uh, other worst case scenarios are off the off the court stuff. You know, they get the uh, bad grades, they have discipline issues. Uh, in that case, they're just gone. Like <laughs> there's not really any reason for Gonzaga to put up with with them causing any kind of problems. You know, they're just they're just going to cut them. And that would be a bummer, obviously, particularly if it was Graves or a few people who have this connection to the program in some way, but that's that's the worst case scenario is they they just they don't get to be on the roster anymore. And then again, I kind of talked about this with Evan Inglesby, like a lot of these guys do leave the program. Either they stay at Gonzaga as, as students or they transfer somewhere else. Again, I don't view that as a worst case scenario. How cool is it to be on Gonzaga's roster for any amount of time at all? Like <laughs> it's super cool. So if they choose, hey, I don't want to continue to do this anymore. I want to focus on school or I want to, you know, go to a different school or you know, whatever it may be. Like again, that's not a bad situation. You know, obviously if they get kicked off the team, it's bad. But if it's just I want to I want to leave. I want to do something else with my life. That's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. So that's why I say there's there's not really, there are very few actual worst case scenarios for any of these five guys. All right. Best and worst case scenarios discussed. We're going to come back in the third segment, talk about some realistic outcomes for these guys, which guys I think are going to play, which guys I think are going to redshirt, what that could look like this upcoming season. Before we get there, though, let's talk about sweat block. Sweatblock is currently the number one selling product in Amazon's antiperspirant category. And for good reason. This doctor-created and doctor-recommended product is manufactured right here in the USA and comes with a dry shirt guarantee. That's right, the folks at Sweatblock are so confident in their product that if it doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. So what are you waiting for? You got a big presentation coming up? A job interview? A first date? Give Sweatblock a try, and if it doesn't work, you get your money back. These wipes have been featured and tested on Rachel Ray's show, where firefighters gave them a go and it came out of it sweat-free. 
Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code Locked On, or at your local Amazon or CVS. Right, segment three, we're talking the five Gonzaga walk-ons. We're talking Matthew Lang, Will Graves, Abe Eagle, Colby Brooks, and Joe Few. Now in the third segment, we're going to talk about their expected role and outcome. It's kind of hard to not talk about it in the first two segments, so obviously we're just going to kind of come right out with it. Uh, these guys are going to play garbage time, if at all. That's uh, It's not a secret. That's how walk-ons work. That's how walk-ons on the deepest team in Gonzaga's history work. I mean... If you guys listened to the Martinez Arlaskis episode, I think it was the fourth one of these that I did. Martinez Arlaskis is a top 130 recruit in his class. He was the number one player in his country of Lithuania, a, a good basketball playing country. Now he's on this roster in his third season, and there's there's no room for him to play. I discussed his best case scenario as being like weaseling his way into, you know, number nine type minutes. So... What does that mean for these guys, you know? And again, they're not here to, obviously the goal for any player is to play minutes. I'm not trying to say that they're that they're they're not here to try to play more. Obviously they are. That is their goal. That should be their goal. But their, their place on the roster is primarily to be practice players, to be facilitators in scrimmages, do that kind of stuff. So there's not a lot in, in, the past years at Gonzaga and at a lot of other schools still, there's more of an avenue for these guys to earn legitimate playing time. It's just, it's not really here at this school with this team right now. Having said that, I think Matthew Ling and Will Graves will both be eligible. They will both be coming off the bench. They will both play garbage time. I think when we see garbage time lineups, I think off the top of my head, having not <laughs> practiced this, I think a garbage time lineup might look something like Let's say Caden Perry, Ben Gregg, Colby Brooks, Will Graves, and Matthew Lang. Something like that. Actually, I think I think you got to put Martinez Orlowskis in there instead of Colby Brooks because Orlowskis will play in garbage time. So Graves, Lang, Orlowskis, Perry, Gregg. Three of those guys were high-level recruits. One of them is a top 30 recruit in the country. One of them was a top 70 recruit in the country. One of them was a top 130 recruit in the country. Those are three of your five garbage time players. That is insane. It's worth worth just stopping and thinking about how ridiculous that is. But having said that, Lang and Graves, they'll have the same role. They'll play 15, 20, 25 games per season, depending on how many games Gonzaga wins in blowouts. They'll play the last two and a half, three minutes per game. Each of them will knock down some threes. It'll go over extremely well with the crowd. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll all get to cheer and celebrate because we love these two guys. It's so fun that they're here. They've been here for multiple years. It's going to be great. That's their role. Now, they might... And by they, I mostly mean Matthew Lang because he's been here for three years. He might get to start on senior night. Mark View has been, generally, he starts his seniors on senior night. He has not always done it with walk-ons, with guys. It depends on their opponent, which I'm blanking on who it is off the top of my head right now. I believe it's one of the better teams in the conference. But again, I think they have the opportunity to let Matthew start because they're not going to start all seniors. They really don't have any seniors on the roster. So... They got an opportunity to let Matthew Lang start. Will Graves is technically a senior. It's only his third season in a Gonzaga uniform, so I'm not sure if they will opt to do that with him or not. I, I don't know if they want to start both of these guys at the same time. I think it'd be super cool if Matthew Lang got to start. It's just fun. It's fun for these guys to get the opportunity to do that. I can't imagine how much fun it would be to 
be standing on the court at the tip-off during Thunderstruck, all the cool stuff that the student section does. It would just be an absolute blast. So I hope that that's an opportunity that Matthew Lane gets. Beyond those two guys, I think the only other one who has a legitimate chance of being eligible throughout the season and potentially playing in some games is Brooks. I talked about him before. He's a hyper-athletic dude. He put up really good numbers in L.A. Uh, he's a six foot seven forward. Like he's, you know, he wasn't a big man in high school. Like he can legitimately play the three at six foot seven. That alone makes him, you know, certainly worth keeping around and kind of seeing what you have in him. I think the fact that he stayed here, the fact that he's still on the on the roster means he's really hoping that he's going to get a shot to actually like at least be eligible and potentially get into some games. I think there's a pretty slim chance that this happens for him. It might happen very early in the year. Hopefully it will happen in the exhibition games coming up against Eastern Oregon and then Lewis and Clark State. Those are the best opportunities for him to get actual playing time in games, I say with quotations because they're exhibitions. But I would love to see Colby Brooks get opportunities in those games because I think he he does have some skill. He's not, you know, he's not going to crack the rotation just because of how deep this team is and he probably wouldn't crack the rotation for even some of Gonzaga's not quite as deep rosters in recent years, but he's a good basketball player, and it would be cool to see him get a shot. Beyond that, I think Eagle and Few are likely going to redshirt. By my understanding of the rules, Gonzaga can't have more than 15 players eligible. There's 17 on the roster. That means two have to redshirt. Dominic Harris is not going to sit out the entire year, so he's not going to be one of them. That means that there has to be two out of these five guys. Joe Few is an obvious candidate for that. He's not it is his first year on the roster. You generally redshirt your first year on the roster. With no disrespect to him or the family, he is probably the least talented player out of this group. Um, not that he doesn't deserve to be here, although the reason he is here is quite obvious. That is totally fine in my argument. I don't, I don't see any issue with it. I don't think he's taking a spot from anybody else. Having said that, it would be a bummer to have him be eligible and getting into the last minutes of games and not have that opportunity for a guy like Abe Eagle or a guy like Colby Brooks, who I think probably deserve it based on their basketball merits more. But alongside few, one other guy has to sit. It's either Abe Eagle or Colby Brooks. I think they're more likely to keep Brooks. I don't know that this is a very important decision. I shouldn't say it that like that, but you understand what I mean. It's not the, the roster crunch isn't a significant impact on, on the team at large this season. But my, my guess is they're going to go with Brooks. That means Eagle sits for a second straight year. That's tough. That's a tough thing to ask of a young kid. Hopefully uh, they get a chance to get him into the exhibition games, which would not count towards his red shirt. So hopefully he gets to at least play in those, op gets opportunities to play in those. I think that would be a really cool shot for him. But that that's kind of it. You know, I mean, there's not a lot more to say about these guys. They're very important pieces to the roster. If you ask any player ever, they would never, they would, they would make it very clear how important these guys are, the instrumental role that they play in practices, the instrumental role they play as you know, stewards of the Gonzaga basketball team around the community, around the campus, like they're very important figures. And I think that they have a big role this year on this team with a lot of youth. You know, like that's a, that's a thing I didn't touch on a lot with with Lang and Graves, but there's a lot of freshmen on this team. There are freshman guards on this team. There's guys like Ben Gregg, who's not technically, he is a freshman, but he's, you know, doesn't have a lot of experience around college. There's sophomores on the team, obviously, who don't have a lot of experience. So guys like Lang and Graves can help out with things that we may not think about otherwise. They can help them with some simple stuff like, you know, obviously tutoring or helping them with classes. They can help them like navigate the life of college. Like 
how like how early you should set your alarm what should you try to nap on the plane should you like just kind of basic stuff that is really hard to do as college students as college students in general but certainly as student athletes who are traveling around the world during their first you know their first year in college or second year in college for some of these guys like it's just it's cool to have somebody there uh to have these guys to help the Hunter Salases and the Nolan Hickmans of the world. You know, obviously Nembhard will handle some of that duty. Anton Watson will handle some of that duty. Drew Timmy will handle some of that duty. But we think about those guys as leaders on the basketball court. But we don't think about Matthew Ling and Will Graves and their role off the court. And it's significant. And, and I think that that's an important part of who they are and who this whole group as a unit is a, is a vital part of this team. And I'm really excited to see, you know, how how they configure. You know, you're not always going to see the the growth that these players take you know salas from year one to year two if he's around for year year two like we won't always know how much of that had to do with matthew lang and will graves but i can promise you it's maybe more than you think because these guys are veterans they've been around for a long time and they're they're important if, if they weren't doing positive things for the program they wouldn't still be here so obviously mark few and the staff trust these guys they want them around they want them to help influence the program positively and i'm quite sure that after this many years they're doing it in a significant way all right, that wraps up our 11th player preview series heading into the season. We have just two more of these coming up. Each is about one of the dynamic young guards on this roster. You don't want to miss them. After that, we got a fun episode on Friday, and then boom, we got real live Gonzaga basketball to talk about. The following Monday, we're going to discuss the Gonzaga Eastern Oregon scrimmage It's or exhibition. It's not as quite a scrimmage game, although it will not be a particularly competitive game it's still going to be a really good chance for us to actually see gonzaga basketball in action i'm thrilled i'm super excited about it you can get all of your updates before the game and after the game right here on the locked on zags podcast it's available wherever you get your podcasts and soon to be available on youtube podcast links will also be available on twitter at locked on zags and on my own personal twitter account which you can follow at ScoreZags score finally thank you again for making this episode your first listen of the day now's a great time to make your second listen the locked on nba podcast you can get all your daily nba updates from a variety of league experts while checking in on your favorite zags playing at the next level thank you all for listening and go zags <laughs>